We are in our fifth lesson. It is called The Practice of Serving. By way of review, we've already talked about the practice of scripture, prayer, worship, and giving. And this one right now, tonight, is incredibly important as we talk about serving. Now, I wanna admit to you up front, nobody shows up for the conference about serving, like serving 2022. Nobody came to that conference, you know, but I want you to know it doesn't mean that it's less important. It is just as important. And I have a few goals for our time tonight. I wanna share them with you. The first is we wanna understand the call that God has given us to serve him by serving others, number one. And number two, we wanna discuss who it is that we serve, when to serve, where to serve in order to take practical next steps. We want to go beyond just hearing what we're sharing tonight and actually have a practicality that's attached to what we're talking about. And so I hope to help you um, with that. But I want to tell you something just to start our time. And I want to say this to you, and I mean this with all my heart. You have greatness inside you. Say amen. amen. It's hard to say amen, isn't it? You have greatness inside you. Do you believe that? Absolutely. That's the truth. But here's the question that I have for you. When I tell you that you have greatness inside of you, what do you interpret that to mean? What do you and I think when we think about this word greatness? What does it mean when, when a person says you're great and you have greatness inside of you? How do we receive that? And what do we think of great? What do we think that that means? Well, I'll tell you, the world thinks impressive, they think I'm impressive or they think I'm rich or they think I'm well-known or respected or famous. Maybe not everybody thinks this, but a lot of people do. They, they, they have that picture in their mind where they look into the mirror. I'm handsome, I'm pretty, I'm healthy, I'm wealthy, I'm whole, I'm amazing, I'm wonderful. Nobody's ever done that, but it, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of this thing in our mind where greatness is, is better than, is more than. And it, by comparison, it often means other people. But what we think greatness means is directly connected to whatever is influencing us. Whatever has helped to shape the way we think is literally what we're pulling from when we think of the interpretation of, of this word. And the culture certainly thinks of it one way, but Jesus does not think of it that way, does he? When Jesus talks about greatness, this is not what he means. He had a different view of greatness Altogether, and the disciples didn't always understand that. In fact, there's a lot of passages that talk about it. And before we get to our main passage, I want to bring one of them up just to show you what I'm talking about tonight, because there's a moment in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 10 where the disciples have a request of Jesus. And Jesus uh, obviously does not agree with not only their perspective or their question, but what, what brought them to even asking the question itself. And there's a dispute that rose up between the disciples of who is the greatest among them. And in the midst of that, Mark chapter 10 and verse 41, here's what happens after Jesus hears that. So here's what it says. Hearing this, the 10 began to feel indignant with James and John. They were the ones that instigated it. Calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. They have power and they use it. And their great men exercise authority over them, but it is not that way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your, everybody say servant. That's where he's going with this. 
Whoever wishes to be first among you shall be slave of all or servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I just think hearing that last verse is so powerful. Even the Son of Man, Jesus Christ did not come to be served. The one that is worthy of it all, right? We just sang that. He's worthy of all worship. He's worthy of all honor. He's worthy of all of our lives. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many. So true greatness, according to Jesus, is to be a servant of all. This is the Christian lifestyle. This is part of what it means to be a Christian is to be a person that serves other people. But sin and selfishness has blinded our hearts and our minds and caused us to have an internal struggle with what it means to love and to serve other people. But how many of you know that becoming a Christian and receiving the Holy Spirit and yielding to King Jesus brings us back into a place where we can love God and love people and practically that means that we're gonna serve them in a very real and righteous sense. And this is actually what we were made for and Jesus reduces this down to loving God and loving others. But on a practical level, that looks like something. Love looks like something, doesn't it? Love is not something you just say. Love is something that you also show. And we know the Bible defines this in clear terms when we talk about the issue of serving. You say, well, Pastor Ben, how do you know that? And I'm so glad you asked that question because I have another passage where Jesus, I think, better defines this for us. And it's a famous passage where Jesus washes people's feet. Now, I'm not somebody that wants to wash feet, nor am I want, do I want you to wash my feet. In fact, I would actually ask you not to do that. But in their culture, this was a practice that, that they had. And so we will dive into the text, John 13 and verse five. <clears throat> Excuse me. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a the towel, which he was girded. He came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I do, you do not realize or understand now, but you will understand it hereafter. And Peter said to him, never shall you wash my feet. There's Peter, man. And Jesus answered him and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And so then he said again, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands, my head. Lord, give me a whole bath. And Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? What a question. Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master. No one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. I just wanna share with you tonight a couple principles that I think and I believe and I hope will activate us uh, with greater service towards other people. Number one is serving others is the way of Jesus. That is quite clear. How do we know? Verse 15, 
Jesus said to them after washing their feet, now listen to this, I give you an example that you should also do. That's what he says. Everything I just did to you as I got down on my knees and I washed your dirty, dusty feet. I did this because I wanted it to be an example for you. What is he talking about? I being your Lord and your teacher and you rightly addressing me in this way, I was willing and I did it without provocation. I did it without you asking. I was willing to go down onto the ground and get on my hands and knees and wash your dirty feet. Jesus is saying, this is an example. Nothing is beneath you. This word example in the Greek, what it means is it's sort of like to write under. It doesn't make sense in our language when we literally translate it, to write under, but it means to trace. That would be the way to put it. And so you can imagine like if you put a hand and you trace the hand, right? And then you have this piece of paper that you put under tracing paper. When you put the tracing paper on top of that, which you're trying to outline, what is underneath is the thing you're tracing, okay? And you use tracing paper to do that. Jesus using this word example, he's saying that which is what you're trying to trace is the example. He's saying, I'm the example. You need to put your life on mine and trace out your life according to what you see in me. That's the word that's being used here. And they would have had that picture in their mind of tracing themselves after the lifestyle of the son of God. Jesus is saying that nothing is beneath you. My way is your way. And if I'm willing to stoop down this low that children and slaves are, are doing, this is their job, but I'm saying I'm willing to do this, then you need to be willing to do the same thing. Nothing is beneath you. There's a point that Jesus is making in all of this because he gave up everything for other people and he calls us to do the same. Jesus didn't just start here. Jesus had been serving people for the last couple years. This is the end of his serving of all of the people, whether that was provision, whether that was love, whether that was practical, whether that was supernatural. Jesus was serving the needs of people his whole life. And now he finally concludes it by getting down on his knees, washing their feet. We have to stop being inspired by Jesus and people that really follow him and let that instill something in us. One time I was walking with my wife, Bridget, and I asked her a question. I said, who inspires you? And she thought about it for a minute as we were, we were walking. And she said, people that take care of children, you know, that are not theirs, whether it's foster kids or adopting or just loving on kids, whatever it is. But she just responded, people that take care of children, they don't have to they're not their children. There's no obligation. It's just a choice of their heart. They, they take care of the least of these, the most vulnerable. And I thought about what she had to say. And I thought, this is my answer to her. I said, what stops us from being the people that we're inspired by? That's the question I have for you tonight. I wanna ask you the question, what inspires you? What do you see in other people that looks like and smells like Jesus? What, what are those things that inspire you? And the next question is, what stops you from living the life that inspires you? I'll tell you what it is. I'll give you a quick answer. You ready for it? You. That's it. What stops us from living the life that inspires us? You, me and you. We stop ourselves. This is why Jesus is constantly pulling his disciples out of their selfishness. That's what sin is attached to. You remember this last weekend, if you were here, I talked about how Jesus called people to follow him. He said, if anybody wishes to follow me, they must first deny themselves 
and take up their cross and follow me. That word deny means to dethrone. It means to get off the throne of your life and let Jesus take his rightful place. If we deny self, sin is attached to self. He doesn't say deny sin. He says deny self because self is always in the way of us loving God and loving other people. It's the problem that we have. It's what sin comes around. It's what sin is, in, is infused in that self-focused, selfish lifestyle. And so we've got to stop being inspired by Jesus and inspired by other people and let that instill something in us to be like him. That's the, the goal that we're going after here. Serving others is the way of Jesus. Number two, serving others brings benefit to other people. I know this is not rocket science, but let me unpack this point just for a moment. Jesus washed their feet because feet needed to be washed. You might ask the question, why did Jesus wash their feet? Because their feet were dirty and nasty and smelly and they needed to be washed. Somebody was gonna do it. So Jesus lowered himself and he said, I'm willing to do it. Are you willing to do anything that you think is beneath you? Jesus served others where it brought benefit to them. And so the question sometimes in church that I'll ask, and this maybe doesn't apply to everybody, but are we just interested in leading and worshiping and teaching and having a microphone? Are we interested in status? Are we interested in being noticed? Are we interested in something that makes me look a certain way? Or are we interested in doing the thing that needs to be done? Can we be honest for a second? And sometimes we don't do something because we have an excuse for it and it sounds really spiritual. Come on, be honest with me. I don't want to do that because I'm not called to it. I'm not gifted for it and all that. It's like nobody's gifted to put a light bulb back in the socket, but we just do it because it needs to be done. Isn't that right? I mean, I've never told my wife that. If she said, hey, this light needs to be changed, I've never said, that's not my gift, honey. I'm sorry. I can't do that. <laughs> she said, the barbecue needs to be put back into the garage. I'm, so, I'm, not, I'm not called to that. I'm sorry. I'm not called to that. He said, well, maybe you're not called to sleep in the same bed as me. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you never said that though. Thank you. No, that's never happened. 18 years, people, that's never happened, but that's the truth. But you see the point? Like it doesn't work at home, but it works at church because I'm not gifted for it. I'm not called to it. Feet needed to be washed. They didn't have an argument about who was called to it. That's what Jesus's point was, is I'm willing to like literally lower myself and just do the thing in front of me that needs to be done. And we complicate serving other people by wondering what we're called to do and gifted to do. Our gift will make room for us wherever we are as we serve the needs that are in front of us. That's a fact. I mean, that's my whole life to becoming a pastor. I never pursued being a pastor. It was like serving and doing things that God had put in front of me. I always said yes to what was in front of me. When I disciple people, I always tell them, just say yes to what's in front of you. You don't need to worry or wonder about the call of God. In fact, you can study this book and you can barely find a person that literally got up in the morning and knew exactly what they were gifted to do and called to do and woke up and just found themselves in that circumstance because they pursued it. What you will find is, a lot of hesitant, reluctant people that were presented with needs and they just said yes to whatever was in front of them, even if they didn't feel qualified for it at times. They would have loved to have those lesser things, but God often called them to things that made them uncomfortable, but it benefited others no matter what it was, whether it was low or it was high, whether it was a big deal or a small deal, it never mattered. See, it never mattered. When people ask me, like, how do I find my calling? Say yes to what's in front of you. It needs to benefit other people. It's not about benefiting ourselves or even making ourselves feel significant when we do it. 
Can I tell you, I've been a part of church for a long time, and one of the things that bothers me is when we put together, we don't do it here, and we won't do it here, but sometimes we'll put together like slick videos, and we're trying to inspire and motivate people to get involved or to do something, and there's nothing wrong with with creative stuff. I'm not against that, but what we're trying to do is, and we're acknowledging that just stating the need is not enough. And so we've got to spend hours putting this creative thing together because what it does is it motivates people to say, I'll do that because it looks like a worthy place to put my, the invest my time. That's often what happens, what motivates us towards serving in a particular place is that it's significant for me. It's not just significant for them. That's the question we have to answer. When we go to serve other people, are we doing it because they need it? Or are we doing it because it makes me feel significant when I do it? So when I state this point, it seems rather obvious serving others is to benefit other people, but I wonder sometimes if we actually reserve our service until it makes me feel a certain way that it's a worthy place to invest. That's how some people give. That's how some people serve. That's how some people put in their time allotment into the things of God is that they go by what makes them feel like it's a worthy investment. And so we've got to work overtime to make people feel a certain way so that they can say yes. But I just want to tell you like friends, if we can just get back to the Jesus model, if there's a need, let's fill it. If there's something in front of us, let's say yes to it. If it benefits another person, let's say amen and go for it. That's what Jesus did. And it's what he was saying, I believe in this passage. I can't imagine being the disciples watching Jesus wash feet. He gets down on his knees and I think, I bet you they're going, what is he doing? What are you doing? You need some help to get back up, Jesus? Oh no, I'm in the right place at the right time. Watch what I do, watch this. It made them uncomfortable. For every minute that Jesus was on his knees, I bet you it made them more uncomfortable the longer that he was there. They couldn't handle it. They couldn't stomach it. I would never do that. I would never do that. That's not for us to do. And Jesus has said, this is exactly what is for you to do. This is exactly what I want you to do. Serving others brings benefit to other people, not just us. It's not to release something significant in us per se. It's to love on and serve other people. Number, f- number three, serving others brings blessing to you. Oh, well, there is that. After washing their feet, Jesus said, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. The word blessed means happy or fulfilled. We're looking for happiness. We're looking to be fulfilled. But being fulfilled comes from helping and serving other people. That's what Jesus teaches. The blessing is not in the knowing. The blessing is in the doing. And you cannot know if you do not do. I mean, it's a funny thing, but if you ever go to the gym and, uh, For me, when I go on the front end, I'm not excited. During, I'm not very happy. Afterwards, I feel like I did something great. It's like helping people move, you know? It's like you get that terrible call, (laughs) you know? And you're like, should they even be moving? I don't even know why they're moving. I don't even know why they're doing, you know, you just, you're not like me, you're better. But anyhow, one time, I helped somebody move and I was on the back of a big U-Haul truck and I literally just fell straight off on my arm, just bam. Have you ever done something like that? It's terrible. So I have, thank thank you. You guys love me. I just fell back. I just fell off the U-Haul truck 
and on my arm. And then I still helped them move <laughs> after that. It just got up and dusted the thing off and we went for it. Yes, it hurt. Yes, I'm recovered. Amen. But I can, I can remember like people calling me saying, hey, we got to move and can you help us? Catherine just did that. I called you out. You're on video forever. Awesome. But um, we got to move. Can you, can you help us? And you don't, I'm not, I'm not really excited about that, but I can tell you what's amazing is after you help them, does, not, does it not feel great that you saw they needed your help and you were a part of that? There's something that fulfills you when you put your hand to help other people, but you cannot know it until after you do it. You will not know it until you do it. That's a fact. That's a fact. How many of you have served in something where you had to take a week off and whether it was a camp or some kind of thing you did at church or something that you did for a friend, you had to take time off, you had to take time away. You, you didn't know if you were able to do it or even how strong you would be or how much of a help you would be. But after you did it, you felt like this was the right thing to do. And I'm so thankful that I was a part of this. Isn't that right? Yeah, praise God. I mean, that's the thing is, is that our mind, our selfishness tries to creep in there to counsel us, to tell us, no, you don't wanna do this. No, this isn't for you. Let someone else do it. Who else is gonna do it? Who else is gonna do it? Paul and Jesus said that it is better to give than it is to receive, but you won't know that unless you do it. Think about the principle. It is better to give than it is to receive. No, uh, in our country, we don't know that. <laughs> it is better to receive than it is to give. I, I think that's a typo. I like to receive. You guys like to receive? I like to receive presents. I like to receive gifts. I like to receive compliments. I hate to receive criticism. I like to receive. There's lots of things that we like to receive. I like to receive gift cards. I like to receive, you know. But do we feel the same way about giving that we do receiving? And I mean giving our time, giving our treasure, giving our talents to other people so that they benefit. Something happens in them because of what we give. It's powerful. Jesus is trying to teach them the blessed life the best life is the life of serving other people. That's what he's telling them. That's what Jesus says to us today. And number four is serving others is a way of life. It's not an event. It's not just something we do at church. One of the things I love about church as we gather together is we have all kinds of opportunities. And the way I look at them is more activational than I, than I do our calling. If people say to me, I'm not called to work with children or with youth, or I'm not called to lead a group, or I'm not called, whatever it is, most of the stuff that we do in church as we gather together and serve each other, they're not things that we're called to do, most of that. I've told my kids this before. There are very few people that, get one, that have one of these. So you, you notice this, right? There are very few people that have a microphone that have certain gifts to do, whether it's prophetic or teaching or revelatory or type of gifts. There are some that have that and it doesn't make them more spiritual. In fact, some of them can be less spiritual. It, it doesn't mean that. But the reality is, is that there are all these other things are part of the backbone and the structure of building up the body of Christ. And that's why Paul even tells the Corinthians, like you cannot say, the, the hand cannot say to the foot, I don't need you because we all need every person in the body to build up the body, to be strong. And, and have full vitality. That's why he actually has to say it because they were looking down on some callings and honoring others. But the reality is, is that a lot of what we do in our world is not really our ultimate calling. I, I just don't think that. I think some of us have, our vocation is not our calling, okay? God reveals that over time and he specifies it in times and seasons. 
Sometimes we do things that serve that don't include our gifts. There are a lot of things that I do as a pastor I'm not gifted to do at all. I mean, you don't think that, right? But no, no, really. I'm like, it's not gifted. I'm not gifted at it at all. Like, really. I'm not a professional at those things, but it's just right in front of me. As, as a pastor, I'm aware of more needs. And so it's just harder to say no because you're more accountable than everyone else. Well, you're a pastor, aren't you? You've never said that. But we're all accountable as believers in Christ to serve and to serve well and to serve diligently what's in, what's in front of us, not to deny what we see. Look what Paul said to the Galatian church in chapter five and verse 13. He said, you were called to freedom, brethren, but do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in this statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Why was he saying this to them? Because they were going back to serving and loving themselves. They were saying, I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Well, you give your freedom away so that other people can be better. That's the point. You give your freedom away. You give your time away. You give these practical things away so that other people can be blessed and strengthened. And he tells us as a result of that, we feel better about our own lives. Because why? It's the way of Jesus and you can't know it unless you do it. The exercise of loving service is the truest mark and measure of our freedom in Christ. You want to know if you're really free in Christ? It isn't just because you broke all your strongholds. Come on, spiritual warfare people. Come on, I'm free in Christ. You know, I'm free in the name of Jesus. How free are you? Are you free enough to serve other people? Are you free from your selfishness? See, being free in here isn't all that Jesus calls us to. He wants us to be free in here. And we can say all day, I'm free in here, but if it's not, doesn't find expression through our life, James tells us exactly what that is. Faith without works is, you can say whatever you want to people, but he says to us very clearly, faith without works is dead. So you can say, oh, I've got all the faith in the world. I pray all the time, but if it doesn't find fuller expression, then it's not that real to other people. And the commandment that Jesus exalts above all others, which is to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself, where that doesn't find expression, it's not the fullness of what Jesus has for us in our life. It's too simple, right? It's too simple. The message of today is that God wants me happy. Well, that's true, but we have to remember what does it mean to be happy? What does it mean to live the blessed life? What does it mean to be fulfilled? And that is to serve others and not ourselves. So we give our freedom away so that others are better. We're called to serve the body of Christ. We're called to serve our broken world. The things that we do in the house are activational so that we can go outside and serve the world. That's the way that I see it. I think there are things that we do in here that literally just activate us. They give us sort of an opportunity so that we can go do it. If we train people for prayer team, listen to me if you're on the prayer team. If we train you for the prayer team, but the only time that you pray for people is on the prayer team that you missed your training. What we do in here in our training and our serving is not meant to stay here. It's meant to start here because we live a Christian lifestyle. We don't do Christian events, we do Christian life. So all of the training that we learn, if we're gonna serve kids here, it's because we're gonna pray for and labor over and serve kids everywhere. Whatever it is, God will spark and start something in the house that's supposed to be taken like a torch in a dark place outside the house. That's what I love about church is because it reminds us of who we are and what we do and gives us an opportunity to start something. But it shouldn't be fully encompassed in this place 
particular place. That's not what God has. He has us to have a lifestyle. We live a certain way, but it's amazing how as we come together, we can provoke that in one another. John said, provoke one another to love into good deeds. It's part of what we do. So I tell people that, um, that you need to lay your roots down in a church. And I'm gonna unashamedly tell you exactly what I teach people. I teach people that they need to be a member at a local church and they need to put their roots down and they need to be known as they would know people and come into fellowship with others. And as they do that, they begin to serve and they get a burden and a heart for the people in this place. But it doesn't stop here. This is just where God starts to activate all these things inside of us. And as we become a vibrant part of the local church, it overflows out of our life more and more. And I teach people go to church every week. Why? Because it activates things in you. The more we're around this book every day and our prayer life with Jesus every day and church every week or even more, not to be here at the gathering of the saints or the building, if that's what you think I'm calling church, I'm not. But as we gather together, if we're only around each other or if we're trying to be around each other every day and we wouldn't have time to serve the world, that's not what I'm saying. But as we gather together weekly, then we can serve people daily. This is, what, this is what I believe. Our whole life is given to serve people. And so no, I don't stop at once a week, go to church and that's it. This is just a place where we activate what God wants to do. We stir up the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We fire each other up. We provoke each other to loving good deeds. We provoke each other to serving Jesus and all that he calls us to. And the Lord gave me a verse that helped me see what causes some to get launched into this serving lifestyle. Look at Luke chapter four and verse 38. It's a story that I don't have time to share with you, but you'll capture what I mean when I just say it plainly. Then he got up and left, this is Jesus. He got up and left the synagogue and he entered Simon's home. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever and they asked him to help her. Standing over her, he rebuked the fever. Don't you love that? That's amazing. He just rebuked the fever, go fever, and it went. It just said, okay. And it left her. Look at this. And she immediately got up and waited on them. What was her response to receiving something from Jesus? She got up and she served the people in front of her. Why is it that there's a culture today, maybe it's just in the Western world, where when we receive something from Jesus, the next thing we do is to just receive something else from Jesus. Why is our response not, how can I serve as a result of what I've received? Why is that not the case? Friends, we just gotta go back to the simplicity of what gratitude really looks like. Gratitude is not just something that I say, it's also something that I give. This is the way of Jesus. Simon's mom was suffering, but after he, Jesus healed her, she immediately began to serve. That's the response of people who have a lifestyle that looks more and more like Jesus. I wanna give you a little test. You ready? Just say yes. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna do it anyways. I would just like your agreement and cooperation. I'm gonna give you a little test. I'm gonna ask you a bunch of questions. Now you could say, ouch, or you could say, amen. I don't know which one you're gonna say, but you could say either one of those at the end of this question, but we're not having a dialogue. This is a monologue, but you can just respond without your amen. It's up to you. And we know what ouch means. Yes, we do. Are you currently engaged in serving your family? And in what way do you serve them? Amen. All right. Are you currently engaged in serving your church community regularly? How, why, 
or why not? Mm. Mm. Do you regularly help others as you go about your week, school, work? And then I'd love it for you to take this home with you and describe an experience. You regularly serve people. Do you look for opportunities to serve and help others on a regular basis? How do you do this? That's not just waiting for, that's looking for. There's a big difference between waiting for and looking for. Y'all agree with me? I'm looking for, I'm not looking to get out of, I'm looking to get into. There's a big difference between those two. Are you willing to do the little things to help others or are you just looking for the big things? All right. When you hear opportunities to serve, do you think I will help or do you ignore them and keep going? <laughs> What's your posture? That's what I'm getting at. What's your posture? When, somebody said, ouch, I appreciate that. What's your posture when somebody brings it up and you're like, oh, I'm really sorry that's the case. Or are you like, I can help with that. Even, listen, even if you can't, is it your heart to want to try? Amen. That's what we're talking about. That's the lifestyle of Jesus. When, you, when you're working or helping others, do you go beyond what is asked or do you just do the bare minimum? How far does that posture go? Do you push off serving God here and now because you think that one day you're going to do something for him? That one day that miracle is going to come and that perfect opportunity, it's just going to present itself. And in that day, all of my skills and gifts and abilities are going to be maximized in that one opportunity. But in the meantime, I'm going to sit on the bench. Where are you at with that? I'm going to tell you, you're going to be waiting a long time. Amen. We're going to be six feet deep, okay? <laughs> by the time some of those opportunities come around, we're going to be all by ourselves down there in the dirt. That's where we're going to be, I'm telling you. Are you more concerned with having fun than you are about serving others around you? Are you the fun person and that's distracting you? Have you removed happiness from yourself from serving others? Are you looking to be more happy? I, I, I'm not trying to clinically diagnose, but I could add something to your counseling appointment right now that maybe won't get brought up. Can I say this to you and be honest with you? It doesn't always come up. We always deal with what's internal and we don't always connect it to the thing is like, maybe if you started and I started to serve people a little bit more, it would bring a fulfillment that we're trying to find in someone's counseling office. I'm just being honest with you. Maybe that's not what's being said, but that's what we're really looking for. We're looking for something to be fulfilled and it's not going to come by the right specific word, the right prophecy, the right amazing, you're amazing, you're the best person, you're great, you're full of greatness. And you're like, yeah, I knew I was, I knew I was. I knew I was pretty awesome. When I was a young guy and people would give me prophetic words or a lot younger than I am, I don't feel young anymore. But when I was a younger guy and I get a prophecy, and it was like, all I would hear is, you're amazing, you're the best, you're better than other people. That's what I wanted them to say. I remember getting the word, like, you're gonna write books and, and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, yes, I am gonna write. That's, yeah, I'm gonna be awesome. That's what I heard as a young guy. What I didn't hear was it was gonna take hours and it was gonna be painful and I was gonna get criticized. I didn't hear none of that. I just heard, I'm awesome. I wasn't looking to fulfill myself by serving others. I was looking to be fulfilled by being seen by others. God has to root that out of us, amen? He does. It's called selfishness and he has a program for that. It's called serve. It's called serve. 
He has a program for it and it helps every one of us, but it kills us first. Jesus really meant it when he said, take up your cross daily and follow me. But sometimes when you die to self, you feel the death. It's torture. Oh, this doesn't feel good. I don't love this. But when you die, when you go, okay, it's not about me, it's about them. Something starts to rise inside you and now you're, fulfill- now you're getting fulfilled. I'm telling you, this is how it works. There's a lot of people that are discouraged because they're looking for the person to say the right thing and they're never finding it. You know why? Because it isn't another word that you need. It's to start doing something with what you have. And when you start doing something with what you have and you see another person's face and they start to smile because of what you got to help them with, it does something in you that you cannot buy. You cannot buy and you cannot manufacture it. You cannot cheapen it out. It's powerful. It's why you and I are all inspired by certain people's lives. Because we appreciate and respect what they do. But for some reason, we're stopped short by not living the same way. Why is that? There's only one reason, and it's because we're in the way. It doesn't mean we're supposed to do everything that others are doing. It just means that we get stopped by ourselves. Are you selfless? Do you serve? Are you generous? Do you make sacrifices for others? You have to answer these questions, and so do I. I was thinking about an illustration as I'll close uh, that helps me. There's a couple of guys at the church when we when we talk to each other, I, I can look at their shirt and I can say Costco, <laughs> you know. They're like a walking billboard for Costco, you know, because it's just what we do on Sunday afternoons. We we go to Costco and it's cheap, and so we're like, I think that shirt fits. And but I'll buy, so there's a couple of guys in the room. You're like, I'm throwing myself out there, people. You can at least laugh, you know, amen. <laughs> it's terrible, I know. But um, I'll go to Costco. I, I don't do this as much anymore, but I'll go to Costco and, and you go into the, that section where they have clothes and there's no, you can't try the clothes on at Costco. That's the worst part. You just can't try them on. So you'll buy something and you're like, eh, I, think, I think that fits, you know, I think it, I think it fits. And you'll take it home and then every now and again, I'll buy something and put it on and I'll go, oh my gosh, that does not fit, you know? And I'd be embarrassed. I'm not gonna show Bridget ever. I will, I just, we're just past that point of marriage where we don't even need more any embarrassing moments in our life, amen. So she'll just say, did it fit? <laughs> she doesn't say, show me. We don't do that anymore. <laughs> Married people, you'll be blessed if you do this. <laughs> she just asked me the question, does it fit? I say, no, not even close. And what that means is we're going to take it back. That's what that means. It's so funny though, you know, like you try to squeeze into this thing. Occasionally I'll even, I'll, I'll even try, to, try to do that. But no matter what, like even if it's just like really, like it's just too tight, you just know like I can't keep this. But you almost try because it was such a good deal. And you're like, but if I get the next size, it's just way too big. I, I feel like I'm an in-between size. Anybody have my plague with that? I'm always an in-between size. Just awkward, that's what I am. Just, oh, what's your size? Awkward, that's it. Uh, or the world's awkward by the way they make clothes. But what's interesting to me is when you think about that, like you buy something, you can't try it on, and it doesn't fit, you're trying to squeeze into it, it doesn't fit. That's what selfishness looks like on the Christian. It doesn't fit. That's what it looks like. I wanna give you a little picture of what selfishness looks like on us. I practice that. It's weird. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, it's weird. You know what fits? Selflessness. Serving. That fits. 
That's the, that's the way of life. That's the Jesus way of life. You know what gets in the way? Selfishness. Our selfishness. We get in the way of us doing the greater things that God has us to do. When people used to say that to me, like, who wants to do great things for God? Everybody raises their hand, but they don't realize. Jesus would say that if you want to be great, you got to be the servant of all. That means you're willing to wash feet. Nobody sees you. Nobody knows you. It's not Instagram worthy. It's not picturesque. It's not the thing that people are looking for in our culture, but it is the thing that God sees and is what he smiles on. I love the prayer room. I love prayer. You know why? Because I know the Lord smiles on that. Nobody else needs to know that you're praying. Nobody else really cares what's going on in the prayer room, but the, the Lord sees that, that we're crying out to God in the secret place. Nobody knows about it, but God. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, he says, your father sees in secret. We're living in a generation that doesn't want anything with God in secret. I want it all to be in the public place. That's what the Pharisees wanted. They wanted everybody to pat them on the back. Isn't that right? Jesus said, you're gonna have your reward in full. If that's what you want, if you wanna do something that's recognized by everyone else, then you will get your reward. You will get the recognition you're looking for, but it means nothing in, an, in your heavenly currency. It means nothing. You get the picture and it's over with. You wonder why it doesn't feel good afterwards because it doesn't have a significance that lasts. And so Jesus teaches us a way that's totally countercultural, especially now. And if you're over a certain age, maybe that's not the way you think. But I'll tell you, a lot of young people today, and if you're under my age, <laughs> you know that this is the culture that we're in. It's pushing it. See me. Jesus said, deny self. See me. I don't want to deny myself. I want to present myself. Paul said the same thing. He said, be not conformed to the pattern of this world, but be renewed the spirit of your mind, the transformation of your mind. But what did that mean? Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. The sacrifice is just burned up. That's not an awesome thing. I, I, what are you, what's your calling? I'm a sacrifice. It's not an, it's not an awesome thing. It's to present yourself to God to, to be used in whatever way that he desires. And so I want to bring our time to a close that we need to exchange our selfish clothes for an apron and just begin to serve people in whatever way that they need to be served and stop asking these over-spiritual questions of why, what's your calling and, and when's that thing that is going to come around where I, I can really put my hands to it? Like, what's in front of you? That's the question that I have. And this is great advice, by the way, just telling you. Christine, I appreciated your story, how you were talking about serving kids. I appreciate what you said to me out there. I'm like, that's it. That's the stuff right there. Something will rise because you put your hand to a thing that you didn't realize, like maybe this is gonna be the thing that'll activate me. It'll bring something alive in me. There was a need, I saw it, I heard it, and I responded to it. That's it. I'll tell you how you're gonna find the great things that God has for you. It's responding to the needs in front of you. We don't close our ears to them. We open our ears to them and we see if there's a way that we can do it. God will bless that. He will land on that life. His anointing, his grace, his power will land on that life. We may not get the thing out of it that shows well, but we will get the thing out of it that God desires for us to have, that fulfillment. Amen. Thanks for listening today. Pastor Ben's mission is to equip the church to impact the world. If you want to get connected, check the show notes and visit bendixon.org. 
From there, you can learn about Pastor Ben's other podcasts, the books he has written, Ignite Global Ministries, and the online Immersion Discipleship School. Thank you.